hello, 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 hello. Welcome back. On the island. On the island. On the island. 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 You wanna be a It's a live version today. Because we're pumped up for week number two of Survivor David V. Goliath. I'm Taylor Gaines. Just one guest today, the usual one. I teased a guest last week, but we had some scheduling things fall through. So you won't hear from our guest this week, but hopefully in the near future, they will be back. But the man who is back, he's usually here. He likes to be quiet for the first few minutes and stare at me, make weird eyes. But I'm going to let him talk now. It's really difficult to be in an alliance with him because he's just so obvious about it. It's Tyler B. Commons. <laughs> oh no, we have a pod man's happening. <laughs> We're getting too powerful. You're going to have to kick one of us out. I actually think regarding showmances, I would like to spend conservatively the next 47 minutes talking about Christian and Gabby sitting on the beach. <laughs> Because I don't think I've ever witnessed a more beautiful, like, naive, innocent moment <laughs> in my life than her being like, Christian, do you want to play with me? And him being like, oh, in the sand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Like, I don't write down quotes like you do. And I had to write that one down because we had to bring it up. There truly I was nothing better. I, <laughs> I just, like... It was just adorable. I'm all in on them. Totes adorbs. I would love... Christian Gabby 2020. Marriage, I mean. <laughs> See, I don't want them, like, to actually become a couple. I just want them to be, like, best friends. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, they... I just want them to her be together. best man somehow, and she could be his maid of honor. I don't know how that works, but... <laughs> it's totally pl- platonic, of course. Platonic. No shots at Christian at all, because he is probably my favorite player of the season so far. So I hope that impression of him wasn't offensive. Just his voice is hard to do. He's so fascinating. I, I really could talk about him forever, but we have a lot to talk about today. We have um, m- uh, much more action on the David side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, don't, I may have covered up our Skype window, and all I heard was we had... Uh, uh, <laughs> it sounded like you were vomiting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fine, I'll leave it in. Yeah, we have a lot to get to on the David side, and there was a hashtag blind side, as the victim themselves pointed out. There was some back and forth. There was some more alliance naming. There was obviously a lot of Christian. The Goliath side had some interesting stuff, too, and Natalie really antagonizing every person she possibly could. <laughs> and uh, a lot more storms. I, I thought it was a... Uh, Entertaining second episode. How'd you feel, Ty? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really fun. We got to see some sun, which was nice. The sun came out, and it kind of played into the way that Survivor's been edited the last few seasons. I caught on to some things that were happening early, and I was totally okay with that. But it was a uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to show all my cards right now, kind of like Survivor might have done, but that's okay. Mm. It was fun. It was a good episode. We're going to have to hear from Ty 
later on in the episode. So we'll talk to you later, Ty. All right. Log off back for in a while. 10. Um, no, but before we get into it all, I did want to mention last week, this, this somehow feels more important to me than Survivor right now because it blows my mind. Last week we joked about Ernest, our fan from New Zealand, not Australia, like I said. God, I'm, I'm so... F- I thought you did say New Zealand. Did I? I hope I, hope I did. I, I feel like I said Australia. I, I definitely wrote Australia to him in a message and I felt dumb about it because he's in New Zealand. But <laughs> the point, is, point being is we joked about State Farm and I, at the time I thought, oh, that's kind of an overkill joke. Like That's like if someone joked about like a meme that you've seen a million times, you know, and you're like, okay, like try harder. (laughs) And I felt bad about it. But then I realized from courtesy of him that State Farm is apparently not a thing in New Zealand. He was like, I've never heard of it. And it it blew my mind. Yeah. Small global economy is not there for State Farm. Anyway, not a State Farm podcast. So where do you want to start, Ty? I feel like How about you host today? (laughs) I'm going to go take a nap. (laughs) All right. I mean, that's totally not what I expected. Let's start with the goodwill that um, Survivor gave them in the beginning, because I thought that was really something that I enjoyed that they showed because, you know, talking to Michelle in the past about how they took them off the beach and that didn't even make the edit and no one ever even talked about it. Here we got to see Survivor doing a, a bit of goodwill and delivering a tarp and some fire making kits and stuff after the torrential downpour for the first five days, four oh, days, God. something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we mentioned it last week. I think that this was going to happen or I, I thought it happened off screen from what I read, but I guess we did get to see it and they looked miserable. I think it was really weird that almost the way that it was edited at the beginning, like 20 seconds of David, cut to Goliath for 20 seconds, back to David, back to Goliath, just watching people suffer. I forget who it was that was <laughs> shaking like a leaf. Uh, might have been Natalia on Goliath, but they all just looked ugh, miserable, and they were talking on David about missing Pat and his morale-boosting ability, and like it seemed like it's so funny. Hold on. Can we just talk about how annoyed everybody was when he was like taking over and telling everybody how to build a shelter, which by well, the way, it's what he does. This and is then, my like, point though. Now he's gone and everyone's like, oh, I miss Pat. Pat was so good. He told the best dirty jokes. This is my point though, is the rain was so miserable that they were like, wow, turns out we really needed that guy to fire us up. Cause like now we're all just sad. Like, Gabby and Lirsa on David in particular seem to like really get beat up by themselves in this episode for various points. But yeah, they got through it and the sun came out and the immunity challenge was apparently like the hottest day they had been out there and they all were really struggling at first with the puzzle. Well, well, what I would say is David struggled the entire time. Mightily. Right up until the end and well past it. While Goliath dominated pretty thoroughly, I I guess before we kind of get into all the individual stuff and the dynamics, I like that challenge made me wonder whether these tribes are just straight up unfair. <laughs> <laughs> and Lirsa actually pointed this out, which she was criticized for probably rightly in their situation. But I just don't know <laughs> that this is going to go well at all. Yeah, the challenges were just so lopsided. And, you know, 
David picked their strongest woman to hopefully try and stay even in B, but she just, she had to be five minutes behind on the, you know, it was a three-part obstacle course or whatever, and she was like five minutes behind from the get-go, and she's the strongest person on their team. So I don't see challenges going well. Well, that's what's crazy. I was watching this episode with my parents, and my dad was like, why'd they put out her out there when she got off to that slow start? And I was like, look at their tribe. <laughs> she's easily their strongest, most like agile person, probably, and she's an MMA fighter. And See, I also kind of leaned that direction, but then I was like, well, why not put like Carl up there? Or something. Maybe, yeah, you know? or, yeah. Maybe you put more, uh, somebody else, but I don't think it was like a bad decision from the position they were in. It just like didn't work, and then the, they were terrible at the puzzle too. So it's not like they ever got close because they had to balance it too, which they they were never going to catch up in that situation. Yeah, I mean every every part of the challenge today was physical, even down to the puzzle and. These tribes were set up so there's a physically dominating tribe and then kind of a brainy underdog tribe. So if you do a three-part challenge with every single one of them having a physical component, like there's no shot David has. There's no chance that any of them are going to be able to pull out a victory. And I think, I, I wonder because I didn't see anything about this, if they did a combo reward and immunity challenge due to the weather. I wonder if they had two separate challenges and then said, ah, we're just going to lump everything in with immunity. I'm not sure. I didn't read anything about that, but if my memory serves, the first few weeks of the last few seasons have been scarce on reward challenges. I -hmm. believe they've been letting it play out in the early going so that you can get to know people and what's going on and kind of just hop into it. Okay, yeah, and that could totally be correct. Like I said, I didn't see any reading about it, but I just, part of me wondered if they had something that was maybe more balanced that could have made this episode seem like David stands a chance at all this season, because they definitely didn't look like they stand a chance. Yeah, and then they arguably voted out one of their stronger, like, strategic players, but we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. I think before we talk about Tribal, let's just break down the Goliaths and kind of get them out of the way (laughs) maybe that's not the right way to say it but because there was a lot of good stuff happening there but let's let's cover them first i think there were a few things that were most interesting to me and we'll we'll get to natalie but i do want to talk about dan who we both had in our power rankings last week and is probably still a pretty safe bet to go far but i felt like had a very swift fall from grace in this episode yeah he absolutely is head over heels for Kara. Can I even say that yet? But it feels like... He can't like go it. a sentence without mentioning her. Yeah, he he's not playing his cards right. And I loved the way they edited it because the entire tribe is like, well, Dan's head over heels. I think Kara's playing him and I think Kara's got strategy. So... I think Dan is this season's Cole from Heroes, Healers, Hustlers where he was just like, I'm in love with Jessica. Oh, Jessica is the best. Me and Jessica are going to be together forever. And then they voted Jessica out, and he was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, Dan's uh, Dan's an entertaining one over there for Goliath, and he's been a lot of fun. I'm surprised how little John we've seen, but that's another side note. Their little The little showmance, we saw was a good move, but yeah. Yeah, but the little showman's 
thing. I want it to last longer, but I, at this point, the way they're painting it and the way they're showing it to us, I would love for Kara to, you know, get rid of Dan early, blindside him with his idol. And, you know, if he gets to gift it somehow, I don't know. If she can figure out a way to get him to gift it and kick him out, I think that would be, like, one of the greatest moves to go down in Survivor history. But Dan is not playing things well right now. And not only that, he was discovered by Jeremy to have an immunity idol who, despite the very multi-layered process of hiding his idol inside of a sock, inside of a jacket, was able to find it pretty easily. (laughs) And... Yeah, it, it was just a it was a rough episode for him. I, I I think he needs to wake up and like I think Jeremy actually put it best. He said that Dan is in a showman's and Kara is in a strategic position. Like like you were saying, essentially, I I think she has her head on more straight for with what's yeah. going on. And it's not even Jeremy that noticed that because you're oh yeah watching the breakdown. Both Alec and Natalie. I think approached Dan and we're like, Hey, you got to cool it, bro. Like you need to get your head on straight and you need to realize you're like here to play a game. You're not here to fall in love with the first blonde bombshell that walks by. Self-awareness was a big theme in this episode because like we're talking about, Dan seemed to have no idea the way he was coming off to people. And Natalie Cole has from (laughs) what we've been shown very even even less of an idea of how people view her because she was just on a rampage this week yeah natalie is turning out exactly how my worst fears for her went in the preseason what i said last week (laughs) and well last week we got like a little foreshadowing taste and then it's you know we even we mentioned we were like well who's jeremy jeremy had a really good episode and included in that was he went up to Natalie and was like, hey, listen, you got to cool it because these people don't want to just sit around and be told what to do. And then she goes, well, I'm yeah, great so with people. Here's, I'm awesome. Here's, here's the dialogue that happened here. And there was more to this, I, a, a few more lines on either end. But Jeremy was talking to her and said, here's the issue. I'm not a psychologist and I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> There's a lack of self-awareness. And she said, okay, so let me stop you there. I feel like I get along with everybody. And then he, he asks a good question. He says, why do you feel you get along with everybody? And she says, because I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, lack of self-awareness would be, and then she cuts him off and says, you don't have to define that for me. Is that all? <laughs> and uh, I, th- I thought Fishback made a good nuanced point about this in his column because we're talking about how bad of play it is for her and strategy and he he pointed out the entertainment side of it is that survivor is quote at its best when people are completely themselves and natalie cole is 100 percent herself she's keeping it 100 100 and like we mentioned like john too tried to help her and said dan is coming for you don't say anything but she's just kind of firing in all directions which in some way is good because of how she's framing it like at least she has a line and she's sticking to it. I'm the old weak one. I'm not a threat to win. I think that could work, but I'm worried she's too annoying to the rest of her tribe because they're all so like young and dumb and 
having fun. And, and there was a great little montage in this episode where <laughs> Jeremy was naked swimming in the water. Alec was getting bit by a little crab or something. And there were a few other things that I, I wasn't able to even write down all of it as it was happening. But they were just having a good time. There was even a piece earlier in the episode during a clever bit of editing where they showed Natalia, Angelina, and Kara talking about the men they had under their control. And they kind of interwove a clever little montage of each of them getting along with said person, like Alec coming up and screwing with Natalia while she was trying to sleep. And they generally just seem like they're having a good time over there outside of Natalie. And I worry early on in the game that that's all people care about. Yeah, but you have to you have to understand well that may be annoying to someone who's like CEO driven get things done. That's how you make friends and that's how you like bolster your alliances. You don't want to be in an alliance with someone that makes you crazy. And you can make the argument that sometimes you got to put your feelings aside to make the best decision to move forward, but in a game that like is a social experiment you have to be willing to socialize with people and not just chew them out and right now natalie's doing nothing but chewing people out and talking about well they got to work uh no i am good with people like not listening not taking anyone it's any not taking anyone's (laughs) advice it's really just gonna set her apart and you know like we're saying i don't know if goliath will ever lose but if they lose there's literally no reason to keep her around. Big picture, I kind of just fear that this game is inherently unfair to older people. Just like this kind of goes to the diversity thing that we talk about on the podcast sometimes where, you know, the show is more interesting when there's different types of people on it. But the problem and no one really talks about age as like a form of diversity when when that conversation is had in our culture, I think. But it is much easier, I'm not saying this as a good thing or a bad thing qualitatively, but it's just easier for people to get along with those who are around the same age as them because they share similar experiences in some ways. And when you only put one or two people out there that are that much older than everyone else, it just doesn't seem like they ever stand a chance because of these moments we're talking about, the bonding, the fun getting along things like they just even if they are doing that people will probably still view them as like the goofy old person Mm -hmm. and i think that that is a tough box to be put into but uh, the counterpoint the counter argument to what you're saying is we've seen it from like joe del campo where he probably would have made top five (laughs) top three He, he was but he was the old guy, and I think he knew how to play that role. You know, he didn't step on people's toes. He just hung around. He had a fun time at camp with people. They'd see him wake up and do all his push-ups or whatever was going on, and he tried to enjoy right. himself when they run won rewards together. And like, my point is, being though that the fact that you even have to call him out, like, and say, "Oh, Joe was good at this," is sort of the problem in itself. In and of itself, like. Most people, you never even have to bring up how old they are <laughs> to talk mm-hmm. about their game. But it's just, it's not impossible. It's just another hurdle that you have to overcome if you are older. 
Yeah, it's definitely tough to go out there and just, I mean, absolutely just be a part of a gif- different generation and one that doesn't quite understand the way that um, something like millennials would work. I do kind of feel also, since we're talking about sort of the makeup, like, I think they did a good job with this cast from what I've seen so far of getting an interesting mix of people because it kind of feels like it's not a bunch of models like a or at, at the very least for survivor standards a bunch of like Instagram models like I, it seems like they got like real people for the most part and I, I, I'm hopeful like you know we talked last week about how there's two black guys on one tribe now they used to not even put two in the entire game and you know i I think andy dennert pointed this out in his column he he kind of had a darker view of it with who was being targeted so far but he said there's like a gay guy and a lesbian and a, a a bisexual guy i don't know who the bisexual guy is but he his point was just that they really are throwing out a lot of different people for once and he had a negative spin on it, but I'm hopeful that it means we're going to get a very interesting season. Like, you know, Elizabeth, who I stick by being the Lauren Rimmer of this season has bonded with every type of person on her tribe. And it's made for an interesting couple episodes for her. Yeah. She's definitely one that, and she talked about this in her pre-show interview. She saw someone with purple hair and she's like, I want to be friends with her because no one expects it. I, you know, just giving a chance to people that are different than you, I think is something that Survivor, at least lately, has gotten right. Um, I think it's always something that can be pushed farther. But I think, at least in this group, like you're talking about, there is some diversity and there are some alliances being thrown out there. And like we alluded to, it's not full of beautiful people, except for you know, maybe one or two, and one of them went home tonight. So it's like, is that ship sailing? Is Survivor going to get more fun, interesting people on now? I sure hope so. Is Survivor a social justice warrior? My hot take at 11. (laughs) No, I'm not doing that. (laughs) No, I just thought of that because the person who was voted out was 19-year-old Jessica Pete from right down the road in Lakeland, Florida, who... (laughs) Made some noise over the offseason for tweeting the N-word a bunch of times. <laughs> um, so, and I'm not laughing because that's funny. I'm, I'm laughing because in the context of what we're talking about, it's a clever twist to have her get knocked out given the meta narrative surrounding the game. But obviously that probably wasn't a part of it at all. It was a surprise. I actually think on the face of it, she didn't deserve the fate that she got. Yeah, she seemed very similar to, oh my gosh, who was it? Was it Libby that was sent home? And we couldn't really tell why, um, but apparently kind of behind the scenes, she was really strong and strategic. And that's kind of the little glimpse that we got shown of Jessica was she had all the right alliances going for her. So they had to send her home. So we didn't really get to know who she was or what her strategy was. But she seemed like she was playing the game well. I think 
what was smart about taking her out, which Elizabeth pointed out several times, was it wasn't really about taking out Jessica. It was about isolating a bunch of different people. Mm -hmm. And you always want to be in a position of power with people you trust. And getting people to vote with you is obviously a way to build trust. And knocking out people that other people trust can only help you. And I believe it was B and... Carl? Carl, who Elizabeth surmised would both suffer from losing Jessica because she was kind of driving the ship. And she was probably right. I, I think you can debate whether Lyrsa should have been the one to go anyway, which we'll get into. But I think it was smart. I think Elizabeth had the best episode on this tribe particularly, but Nick and Christian were the ones who were in that power position we always talk about. Mm -hmm. And throwing, I didn't see it. See, this is the part where I'm a little bit worried that I'm not seeing the whole picture right now. I'm seeing a lot of entertainment, but as far as the tribe shakeups, like why does it matter that you need to throw Carl off of his game? I'm not seeing a whole lot from him that makes me feel like he's got a strong tribe. So he definitely was thrown off and they showed his reaction in tribal council and they showed B turn and look at him and they were both like, oh my gosh, what just happened? But I don't know why those two are perceived as people that need to have their games rocked. And that's kind of what I wish I would have seen a little bit more leading up to what happened in Tribal tonight. Yeah, I think the only context we really got for that that I was thinking about was Gabby's interaction with with B and Jessica because there was a sense of arrogance to it that I thought came across from what we saw where they were really vague and general to her and the numbers were definitely in a way where it could have swung in the direction of what I'm going to call like the beauty half of the David tribe, even if that's not entirely accurate. Like just be Jessica and Carl just seemed like they had an air about them that made everyone else a little desperate. And, you know, there is more Jessica could have done obviously. And her attitude might have incited that a little bit, but I actually was pretty impressed by how much control she had that quickly to even be put in that position. And I personally kind of changed my mind over the course of the last 10 minutes of the episode and thought I would have voted out Lyrsa because she just seemed to... She seemed like she was dictated by her emotions and not thinking big picture or strategically and got very sucked into like they're better than us we're never gonna win and like spent spent a lot of time talking about how she wanted to take out carl because he thought she was weak like there just wasn't a lot of logic to what we heard from her and that worried me as someone like putting myself in the shoes of someone on her tribe yeah she just kept saying you know people are saying let's get rid of the weakest link okay lirsa and she goes the weakest link? I'm not the weakest link. I won the first challenge. Remember that. And it was like, okay, that's nice. You totally did. But like, what have you done for me lately? But also Christian you know? did, if we're being real. <laughs> like, yes. He was the one who knocked out that puzzle in five seconds. Yeah. And it's just, you feel bad because it feels like they're targeting the person who's different from everybody else, you know, coming from Puerto Rico, having purple hair, the 
nose ring, the tattoos, like, but is that the wrong call? And I, maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I feel like she is the weakest link on that tribe. And by not getting rid of her, they've almost just conceded that, okay, well, we're not ever going to try and win anything physical. And where do we go from here? Yeah, but also in the early going, is there that much of a difference between having Jessica and having Lyrsa? Like, probably not. I, I still think, too, like, in my mind, I just don't know that I can trust Lyrsa three votes from now. Like, I feel mm. like she's going to go wherever the wind takes her in some ways. But it just kind of all goes back to Elizabeth for me. Like, she took this emotion and used it to her advantage. And I, I believe made Lyrsa feel like she, like Lyrsa made a big move while Elizabeth was kind of in the background steering it. Now, obviously, we've learned over the years that as the game goes on, you have to bring yourself out into the spotlight if you want to get the votes at the end. But mm-hmm. definitely a strong early move from her. There was a lot of other interesting stuff on this tribe that I wanted to get to. I think Nick is interesting. Gabby is interesting. And Christian, obviously. I, I guess we should start with Nick and Christian because we mentioned they were in that enviable swing vote position and they named their alliance the mason dixon line is that what it was yep so they did the they did the virtual fist bump to officially consummate their alliance and uh it's been a fascinating first two weeks for both of them what do you make of them yeah christian i am thrilled that he is still kind of playing the narrator role he got the title of this episode for a quote that he said so i always so loved that the chicken has flown the coop. And Nick, who was on the outs in episode one, seems and like... said that. He said that at the beginning of this episode, that he mm-hmm. knew he was gone. And I think him getting in with Christian and Gabby was probably the best move he could have made. And they didn't show it as like, oh, a big strategy thing. They were just kind of like, Nick is trying to get with people, and he's trying to get with people that are going to take him far but he didn't talk about it as a strategy as much. I don't know. I like the evolution of Nick over two and a half hours, whatever, whatever we've gotten from him so far. And then Christian and, like you said, he and Gabby's alliance, I really want them to do well. I hope that they can, you know, make the merge and figure out some way to get in with some Goliaths over there. I think that that would be awesome. But it, Christian and Nick... Both of them are starting to play really well. Christian's already played well. And Nick has really turned it on once he figured out, I got to be vulnerable and I got to talk to people. Yeah, uh, Fishback had a lot of praise for Nick this week. He pointed out adaptability is the most important survivor skill. If you can recognize how people perceive you and change accordingly, you're set up to do very well. Natalie. (laughs) He pointed out a thing that I hadn't thought about that naming alliances can seem very corny, but is actually a smart strategy. (laughs) He says it's smart because alliances can feel very ephemeral, but naming them makes them feel more real and reliable to people. So definitely some points for him this week. As far as Gabby, kind of another, not really fall from grace, based off being high in at least my power rankings last week. I think she might have been in both of ours. Um, no, she was just in mine. But I would call it a bump in the road, at least. She, she had a mm-hmm. testy episode. She seemed to 
struggle a little bit. Uh, Fishback described it as a, a case of early game paranoia where you uh, have not learned to decouple your anxiety from the reality of who's actually plotting against you and you assume everyone's out to get you all the time. Some people never recover, but as an unlicensed survivor physician, he says, my prognosis for Gabby is positive. I believe she'll get through this and go on to great things. And I hope he's right. <laughs> yeah, she did. She had that kind of emotional breakdown where she's like, do you even want to play this game with me? And Christian's like, once he understood the question, he was like, yeah, of course I want to play this game with you. You mean after he held her hand and started playing in the sand? Did he hold her hand? Oh, I missed that part. No, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm shipping. Dang it. Stop projecting. <laughs> Definitely rooting for the two of them still. Yeah, just a, a lot going on. I actually feel like there are still people that we might not know much about, but I think they've sort of layered in a view of basically every person and where they stand in some way to this point. Yeah, and like we said, they've done that really well for the David tribe, and a guy we really got to meet this week was Davey, because last week we got to see him catch the octopus. Oh yeah, he found an idol this week. Yeah, he found an idol, and but he also said he wanted to play the role of provider, and then he was super pumped about the fishing gear, which was the reward in this week's challenge. And I think he... They haven't showed him socially interacting with a lot of people, but I think... He's there, and he really wants to play, and he wants to be a part of things. And it, he might feel awkward around people, being the self-proclaimed blurred. But I think he's going to find his way in and be able to just be genuine enough himself that people will eventually fall for him. And I think I've laughed more at him just being delightful than anyone else. Like, mm-hmm. everything he says is just, like, kind of charming. And I've enjoyed, like you said, like he just gets really excited about weird things and he, he's living up to his blurred reputation, I guess. But I, I did want to sort of compliment B. I, I thought she had a good moment before everything kind of fell apart at the end where everyone was really down in the dumps after the immunity challenge. And she gave a motivational speech that I thought was actually effective. Like I'm someone who finds most motivational speeches cringy where (laughs) they kind of feel awkward and like, all right, we know you don't really believe this either. Or like everybody knows these cliches that you're saying, but I thought she actually conveyed her positivity in a really like efficient and empathetic way. And I think that's because it was genuine from her. I mean, she talked about her past and having to kind of claw herself out of an abusive relationship and then training really hard. And like, she's been fighting her whole life and now she gets to do it as a job. So when she's saying these things about, look, big deal, we lost two games, like two fun challenges. Now we have to get up and we have to figure out, okay, who are we? We got to push forward as a team, as a united team. And you're right. She did do that very well. And, Till things just went sideways for her and <laughs> she got blindsided. So um, the speech was great, but overall, I still am a little bit worried for B. So the vote was 5 4 Jessica. B, Carl, Jessica, and Davey voted for Lyrsa, Christian, Elizabeth, Gabby, Lyrsa, and Nick. 
voted for Jessica. Jessica said she felt betrayed by Nick and Gabby because she had good relationships with them that weren't as highlighted on the show. And she does understand where Gabby was coming from. She said she wishes she had reassured her a bit more to preserve herself. Said she was genuinely blindsided, obviously. Uh, A couple comments because... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter didn't talk to her, just talked to Jeff and executive producer Matt Van Wagnon. But I thought Van Wagnon had a good point. He, he said that he didn't think she came in too hot. It was just a twist of events where a couple of people saw an opportunity to shift the game and she became a casualty of that. And it kind of made me think like sometimes you go home and it's not your fault, which is not something we talk about a lot. But sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. The the Hollywood Reporter article talked about it. Her game was completely derailed by Pat going home because Pat and I don't I can't really speak to this because we've not seen it was kind of the father figure nah, for know. her and I kind of read that as probes like narrative forcing, but <laughs> yeah, and I mean that might have totally been true. But when something like that happens, where Nick doesn't go home, Pat's medevaced, and then. You know, Elizabeth and Lisa are able to kind of rally around this. Well, let's shake things up. Let's let's make a strong move. Let's throw one of these power players away. She finds herself going home, and it's not anything she's done because it seems like she had at least a solid three other people around her, and until Lisa and Elizabeth convinced Gabby and Christian, you know, it looked like it was going to be, what, a 6-3 vote? Yeah, it, it was really just a question of which way Christian and Nick went because they wound up in that middle spot. Like, it either would have been 6-3 or 5-4, so. Yeah, it wasn't... It stinks to go out when it's not your fault. I would say generally it is your fault. I think when someone like Natalie goes home, it's going to be Natalie's fault. But she, Jessica doesn't feel like it was her fault. It was just kind of circumstance. And obviously there are things she could have done differently, but like, I think she played about as well as she could have given her situation. I, I just uh, don't really blame her for, for losing. Like she, like we said, she might've screwed up that one interaction with Gabby or whatever, but you know, people want, people are out there to play and uh, I'm glad to see that. So speaking of that, Let's do our power rankings. I want to know who you think was like out there to play the most this week. I think our power rankings might be wildly different than last week. But I, um, yeah, la- I, I have in trademark fashion created a spreadsheet to track our power rankings points. And our current leader is Christian with six. He had two first place votes last week. I don't know if I made this clear, but our first place votes are worth three points, second place two, third place one. So he got all six of the top votes. Dan got three points, B got two, and Gabby got one. Where are we going to go this week, Ty? Yeah, this is a tough one because there was a huge shakeup, and I always struggle with, am I going to go who's the safest? Do they get the top power ranking, or who made the best move it's always tough in the early going too because it's like do i go with these people who were barely in the episode because they're safely over on the goliath beach or do i pick someone who was clearly in control over on david Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna this is gonna sound like it's coming out of left field but i think davy is 
number one, and I'm going to say it's, it's for the safe reasoning because he's not on anybody's bad side. He wants to play a provider, and he found an idol. So while we didn't see strategy from him, I think he's got no reason to be voted off to go home. He's got no target on his back, and he has an idol in his pocket. So kind of a weird number one for me, but I mean, Davey just had a solid episode. Oh, man. I'm really torn. I feel like they have done a good job of showing so many alliances that I could pick any number of people. The three girls on Goliath who were talking about controlling with their six like seemed very strong. Jeremy on Goliath seems very smart. I'm not totally sure of his position. On David alone, you like you mentioned Davey. Obviously, Dan on Goliath has an idol too. Elizabeth, we've talked about. Christian and Nick are in such a good spot. There's really a lot of candidates right now. Mm-hmm. I think every, a lot of people are playing really well. Oh, man. But I'm a big fan of subtlety, and I'm a big fan of proving your loyalty through votes. And... For me, Elizabeth was the most impressive person this week because she has proven adept so far at bonding with people, all types of people, and making strong moves without using a lot of influence, uh, like, overtly. I, I think her driving this hashtag blindside is a really strong thing for her resume and despite a lot of competition i have her number one yeah and i think that is the obvious number one pick and for me she's number two because of the reasons you said she saying manipulated lyrsa isn't correct but she talked lyrsa down and said okay let's find a way out of this and made it feel like it was lyrsa's idea and played it safe and Yeah, and she brought over Mason Dixon. So I think that she played really well strategically, and um, she definitely has to be in my top three, and I'm totally comfortable giving her number two. What about you? Who's your number two? (sighs) Oh, gosh. My next two slots are going to have to, (laughs) like, be given to one part of an alliance that I think everyone could deserve points for, like... For me, Mason Dixon deserves the number two spot, but given what I've seen so far, I would give it to Christian in this case. I think he has proven more adept at making close relationships and obviously was never really in danger of going home like Nick was. So I could be swayed potentially because I'm sort of awarding this to their alliance, but the points go to Christian for number two. Yeah, that's definitely an easy pick he's definitely played well so far and it's so hard because I feel like he should be the one to round out my top three but then my top three is three people on a tribe that's lost two weeks in a row so like (laughs) does that even make sense so I don't I don't know I don't really know what to do with this so I'll tell you my number three is yeah, you you go first. I gotta. I still need to decide because I'm bouncing between two names right now, and I just need like, to figure out which one. There was a lot of power from the David side because of them being forced to make real moves with real votes. But in the interest of fairness, I do think 
similar to my number two slot, someone from that three girl alliance deserves to be in here too. And I guess for me, I'm going to say Kara because despite getting a little too close to the sun with the whole Dan thing, I think she's in a good position of those three because she's found herself in a position where Dan trusts her. And she also has a real alliance on the side of that. So that group, I think, is a force to be reckoned with. But for me, I'll have Kara number three this week. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. You know, I'm, I'm going to do it even though everything in me is saying I shouldn't. I'm, I'm going to put Christian at three because he is getting the most airtime and he's getting a lot of strategy talk and he's got a social game that's quirky and working for him and he does it really well. So I'm going to give him the points for number three. I do think Kara number three is a very strong pick. I think maybe a sleeper pick for another strong player might be Jeremy, just from the way you see him trying to interact with people. And then he tried to talk to Natalie and um, confront her in a positive way. And then he went off and had more conversations about, well, look at this alliance. How's this alliance going to work? So he's got the strategy, but we've not seen enough of his game. So yeah, my entire top three is on a losing tribe. So a I don't know what it terrible means. tribe. <laughs> yeah, I, I have know. no so idea what's happening. Ty has Davy one, Elizabeth two, Christian three. I have Elizabeth one, Christian two, Kara three. And I'm apparently going to go back and forth between saying Kara and Kara this whole season because I have not decided what's right yet, I guess. I'm sure she's said it the right way at some point, but that's on me. Apologies. Uh, and in my stubbornness, my Natalie-style stubbornness, I refuse to do simple math during the podcast, so stay tuned to our Twitter to find out how those power rankings affect the standings because I will post about it later. Anything else on this week, Ty? Week number two is in the books. We are getting settled in. Survivor. David versus Goliath. I feel like Jeff. (laughs) You feel like Jeff narrating something? No, we... The shoulder thing? Do the shoulder thing? The shoulder shimmy. This uh, season has been really good so far, and I will say I actually am a little bit sad that Jessica had to say farewell because... We didn't get to see enough of her, but I feel like if she made it through this vote, maybe the edit would have shown a lot more of her and her alliances that she had made. So, Yeah, I very similar that, to Libby, actually, where I feel like she was really strong and we never totally got to see it play out. Yeah, and I hope that strategy still continues. I hope Elizabeth can drive that. I hope Christian and Gabby can continue to drive that. I really want Kara to betray Dan. I want a blow-up over there. I want Natalie to hopefully get some sense or go out in kind of a fiery yelling at everybody kind of way i don't know this season has a lot of potential and i hope we're just scratching the surface so i'm really excited for where this season is gonna be moving hi y'all thanks for joining us on the podcast it's always good to have you thank you to the one person who gave us a rating in the last week that means more than you know so keep doing that rate review on apple podcasts we're on Spotify now. You might be listening there. I know uh, our number one fan, Ernest, was a big fan of the Spotify thing. <laughs> so, yeah, do that. Find us on Twitter, at on the Island Pod, something similar on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, you can follow Ty at Tyler B. Commons and me at Gaines Taylor. But who's to say we're ever going to tweet about Survivor? Anything else, Ty? Uh, if you want to know my opinion on motivational speakers, just follow me on Twitter. See what happens. 
You should have brought it up when we were talking about motivational speeches earlier, but that's a good I know, teaser. I almost did, but that's kind of like, I just don't want to selfishly plug. I want to unselfishly, <laughs> selfishly plug. Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, I'm Taylor Gaines, and it's been a good week. If it looks like a podcast and it smells like a podcast, it is a podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Named their alliance the Mason Dixon line. Is that what it was? Yep. And did a virtual fist bump to, uh, to, uh, what's the word when you com, com, uh, commemorate? Sure. I, was, I, I was don't thinking, think it, I don't think it's the right word. I was thinking of the one where, like, on your honeymoon, you, like, officially, uh, consummate. Consummate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they did the, they did the virtual fist bump to officially consummate their alliance.